0: This is the Extravagant Promises podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. This is a podcast about reckoning, redemption, and recovery. We share our experience, our strength, and our hope. Tonight's episode is episode number 47, Live Like You Were Dying. This is the beginning of of season number three of the Extravagant Promises podcast. And I'm proud to to deliver this podcast to you. It's been a bit since I recorded and uploaded my last episode, but as for every single person living on this entire earth, this entire planet, a lot has happened over the last 12 months. And I beat myself up for a while about not bringing more episodes, but things seem to be changing so fast in my life that, well, the best laid plans, I suppose. <clears throat> what didn't change is that I'm still Gregory. I'm still an alcoholic. I'm still sober. I picked up five years this summer. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. I've worked the steps with my sponsor, and I've worked them again, I've sev- actually several times. And I work with other men who are trying to get sober or who are in recovery and working the steps as well. So, before we get started on the, the meat of the episode, I would like to welcome you back. Uh, I really appreciate it if you're listening to this. I would ask that you uh, spread the word. And let other fellow travelers on the tr- who are trudging the road of happy destiny know about the podcast of course, you can always email me at Gregory B. That's the letter B, G R E G O R Y B, at extravagantpromisespodcast.com, dot com, or you can hit me up on DM or or comments on Instagram. That is at extravagantpromisespodcast. I'm trying to get a Substack newsletter started for the podcast, but that is a little more complicated than I hoped. Um, and I'm not really sure I know what I'm doing, but look for something from that. And again, I would love it if you would give me comments, both positive and negative, and uh, and certainly spread the word to folks who might enjoy this podcast. As we get going, I I would remind everyone of, of a few sort of housekeeping items. The first being that this is not an AA meeting or is it meant to be an AA meeting? Now, with the advent of Zoom and all of the online options, I mean, it is very easy to get to meetings. I have, in the past nine months, I suppose, only been to one in-person meeting, and I'll discuss that in upcoming episodes. But I've been to almost daily Zoom meetings, online meetings, which are not the same as, as I don't believe they're the same as an in-person meeting. I really love in-person meetings, but boy, they are convenient and they take away any excuse I might have not to go to a meeting. So um, with that, you know, this isn't, this podcast isn't meant to take the place of a, of a, a approved AA meeting. I encourage everyone to have a home group. I encourage everyone to attend meetings daily if they can, because not only is it good for you, but your being there may save someone else's life. Even if you don't contribute, you know, just sit and listen. Um, just the fact that you're there to listen to another person is so helpful. But but this is sort of meant to be a compliment to that program, and this is meant to be that candle in the darkness where maybe maybe I'm going to talk about something that, that resonates with you. And um, maybe you're in a place where you can't get online, but you do have this podcast downloaded and you can listen to it and, and, and it'll be that that hand on the shoulder that helps you get through the day. That's what I hope it is. Uh, the second point, this will always be free. I will never accept, nor will I solicit any kind of contributions, payments, advertisement, charges of any kind. This is purely an act of service on my part. Number three, I do talk a lot about mental health. I talk a lot about mindfulness. I talk a lot about uh, all always within the singular purpose of recovery and uh, staying sober. But I am not a mental health professional. Um, I encourage everyone to have some sort of a mental health program, some sort of a counselor that you can get in touch with if things are going south on the mental health front. But I do not want anything I say to be taken as gospel in the healthcare field or mental health arena at all. And then finally, number four, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. Please, please, please respect my anonymity, and I will always respect yours. I will never out anyone. I will never uh, share any data or user information with anyone. I just ask that you protect mine and respect my anonymity. This is an act of charity. Please don't dox me. Please don't out me. Please don't, don't reveal who I am. It's pretty easy to find out who I am. I, I don't you know, take great uh, crypto uh, uh, means to protect my identity, but I do re- respect on the, the honor and the integrity of the anonymous uh, program that we are part of to protect me. So without further ado, live like you were dying. Now, today is December 9th. I usually don't share exactly the day on all my podcasts because I want them to be evergreen, but I also want them to be something you can listen to and not feel like it's dated. Um, But December 9th is a very important day to me and a very important day to my life and a very important day to my recovery. And I hope it can be an important day or a concept for yours as well. December 9th is important for me because today is the day of my daughter, my eldest daughter, my eldest child, the day of her birthday. Um, 20 years ago today, she was born. And boy, did my life look different then than it does today. But it ties into my, my theme today of the podcast, which is live like you were dying. Um, because the idea is that for first... Everybody's probably heard the Tim McGraw song Live Like You Were Dying and it and it really the message is, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. You know, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And what does that mean? And why is it important on December 9th? Well, first it's one of my daughter's favorite songs, kinda of daddy daughter songs, as it were, and we would listen to it together and sing it together and that and and, you know, occasional Aerosmith and occasional uh Heart songs, boy we we love heart. And uh um but the idea to me is that it, it it kind of feeds into the notion of going it alone, the notion of of higher power and being able to be sober uh, without those, without a, a, a program of recovery or the community. Um, or without a higher power, there, there's no question in my mind that if I tried to get sober alone, I would have failed. If I tried to find serenity and sobriety and all the glories, the miracle that the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has to offer, if I tried to do that without a higher power, I would have failed. Uh, so what does that mean, and why is it live like you were dying, and why is that important on December 9th? You know, well, I often say that, you know, in my my spiritual program, my higher power, who I call God, um, but you don't have to, obviously. And, and let me just say and interrupt myself for a moment and say, do I think you can get sober alone? Are there books and things that I've read about people doing it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I guess there are. Do I, do I believe that you can do it? I, 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 I think so. I don't know. I, I don't know anyone who has successfully gotten sober and stayed sober and found the miracle that can be found in the rooms on their own, alone. But I'm not saying you can't do it. So please don't. This isn't a debate about that. Um, I'm not denying it, I'm not saying anything. Sim- similarly, atheists, agnostics, people who don't believe in, in a higher power, people who don't believe in God, some people affirmatively don't. Um, can you be a part of AA? And, and yes, I mean, one of my first, um, almost like a home group that I loved, they're called agnostics and others. Um, they were, you know, I, I, ultimately I called them the God-haters, because there was so much of a focus on not on not having anything to do with God, that it actually got in the way of kind of my being able to really enjoy the program or that that particular meeting, but that meeting um, was very powerful and there was a lot of sobriety there and, and a lot of people who who affirmatively, you know, discounted God, um, and they would discuss, you know, or I would hear in the rooms like that or discussions like that, I would I would learn that that was a struggle for folks, you know, the the notion of God or not having God. Um, So to me, a lot of this comes down to the concept of rock bottom and the gift of rock bottom. That's what live like you were dying means to me. It's the gift of rock bottom, because I think that if it weren't for rock bottom, I would not have written a letter to God if it weren't for rock bottom. I would not have you know when my my friend said and I've shared this on in the rooms before, I've shared this on the podcast before that all it took for me finally was, you know, <laughs> a lot of years of really bad behavior and bad bad, you know, distorted thinking and bad judgment and just misery. But what it took was just one person looked at me and said, "I'm worried about your drinking." And I was at rock bottom because I realized, like, I had the only other option that I could think of to save my life was suicide, if that makes any freaking sense whatsoever. Like, so you're thinking, like, the pain is so bad. My life felt so stressed and pressure and just coming unraveled in every possible way that I wanted to live. I wanted to be there for my daughters. I wanted to be—I wanted to serve God. You know, I I wanted these things. I just was—I was all out of freaking options. And when someone said, I'm worried about your drinking, I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe what I need to do is go to an AA meeting. And I did with this man who I call one of my angels— And, and, and it wasn't easy, you know, but if it was, but I came there, you know, it's, it's, it's just like the steps that, you know, came to believe, like we evolved to believe I came to believe, like I arrived for the purpose of believing, meaning I was trying so hard to find something like, please let this be, if you're out there, God, let this be it, let this be what's wrong with me, you know? And, and I found it, and I did come to believe, and I did turn my will and my life over to the God of my understanding, and I did pledge that that day I was just going to make life about ones and zeros, and one was sober, and zero was drinking, and I was never, ever, ever going to get a zero. You know, that was what I pledged to myself, like, please, God, let this be it, and it was. So that's what I mean by live like you were dying. So, you know— um, the the idea of of a higher power i i believe that um and this is just my belief you know i'm not giving advice or opinions or you know on anybody else's program or whatever i believe that kind of i, I don't know if it's a zen or hindu or buddhist mantra but you know when the when the student is ready the teacher will appear and when you're at rock bottom, the way out will appear. And it's gotta be it's gotta be rock bottom. It can't be kind of an exit ramp off the highway that's just a little bit, you know, and then you can get back on or a side, you know, a little rest area. It's gotta be rock bottom. It can be a high, high, high bottom is a, you know, I think a lot of that is sort of, you know, mythologized, the myth of the high bottom, the reality of the high bottom, but you know, the notion that one person's bottom needs to look like another person's. I, I don't agree with that. What I can say is every person has their individual limit. Every person has their individual ta- you know, empty tank. Whatever it is, that per- your, per- your particular rock bottom is yours and yours alone. And that is one of the places where I believe that God or your higher power, my higher power, will reveal himself. I often say this, that, you know, um, I the letter that I wrote to God, and I've quoted it on this podcast before, and I will do so in the future again, um, you know, I just said it was Father's Day um, five and a half years ago, and I said, please help me, please save me. And I said, I wrote a letter to God asking for an angel. God responded. God didn't send me an angel. He sent me a program of angels. He sent me legions of angels. He sent me an entire mechanized division of armored angels called Alcoholics Anonymous and every person in it. And he sent me that lifeline. You know, I couldn't do it alone. I had to have a program. I had to have the, the, the steps. And through that hardship, God revealed himself to me. There have been other things. One of the times that God revealed himself in my life was on December 9th, 2000, when my daughter was born. And I saw into her face something that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, a lot of people they say these things, Oh, I married my best friend and oh I get to do this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I said the same kind of stuff, you know, and it's like it's like, you know, something to put on Instagram, like, look how good I look or look how cute that is, or oh my God, let's do this. And and, you know, and let's be honest, most of the time it's complete bullshit that you're just you're either lying to yourself, you're lying to everybody else, or maybe you don't even know it. But the truth is, is, you know, You say a lot of things. We say, I say a lot of things. I said a lot of things and did a lot of things that were not honest and high integrity things. And, and, but, but I know that on that day, 20 years ago, today, I saw what I believed was the presence of God. How did I see the presence of God? You know, I saw. Something that could not be explained through science or rationale. Yeah, is there a scientific underpinning to these things, this layer below which? Yeah, sure. You know, is faith and all? Yeah, faith and and belief and conviction are below the, the surface. But I saw something and felt something inside me and in looking in her beautiful eyes that I knew I knew that God existed. And then I proceeded to act, you know, kind of like a moron in in my personal life, you know, and 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 all for probably a long long time after that, but I but I promised, you know, I made certain promises to that sweet young girl, little baby, and and I've never broken them. 20 years I've never broken them. Maybe one day I'll share those, you know, I think I've I have shared some of the background of of those kinds of things, but you know, hey, whatever, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you. It's like the two things that I said was, I said, number one is I will never hit you. And number two, I will, and and I will never hurt you in the way of like hurt, like with the intent to hurt you, but I will never lay a hand on you. And I'm not judging people who have corporal punishment. I'm not judging that. It's just, you know, my story is my story. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. And the second thing is that until the day I die, I will always be available to give you every ounce of my love, my support, my intelligence, my wisdom, my heart for your well-being. I will be the giving tree until I am just nothing but a stump, a dead, rotting, you know, ash of a stump in the ground. That's fine. But until that day, you, you have everything I could have. I will never deny you. No matter what you do or who you become, I will never deny you. And I knew in my heart that that was true. And to me, I had never felt anything like that about another person or thing in my life. And so I kind of felt like, God, you're here. You know, there were times like that when I knew when God showed himself in in that weird way, unspeakable, kind of indescribable way to me. And so that day, 20 years ago, I got to live like I was dying. You know, I was at a place where God revealed himself. The beauty of life revealed itself. You know, so when, what other times when, when, we, when we finally, you know, when, when the teacher, teacher appeared, what were those like? You know, I don't think that a guy sitting up on a stage with 30,000 congregants or, you know, it's just for me, like the, the, the telling fables and, and parables and how it's great, that, that is important. And I think that's awesome. But why is it that for me, you know, where I found God was, you know, I, I told this story, too, about how I've been in the, you know, I, I went to an AA meeting in the church where I was christened. And it's not in a town that I live in. I just happened to be there, and I was early in sobriety, and I went to a meeting. It was a speaker meeting, and I thought, well, if this isn't, you know, the winged, winged, what is it, the the Samothrace or whatever, you know, winged victory, you know, if this isn't the wings of victory, I don't know what is. Like, you know, 40-some years ago, almost 50 years ago at the time, you know, you, you came rolling in to the world and you get christened in this awesome church and on here it is all these years later, you're not up there getting christened or stuff celebrating anything. You're down in the basement with a bunch of drunks, anonymous drunks, sharing your story. But you know what? That was where God wanted me to be. And that's where I realized like, this is where God coming back into my life. And, and I felt it, you know, I was meant to be here and I, for my program, you know, my, my savior, Probably would be in an AA meeting on Christmas Eve. You know, probably wouldn't be. You know, driving a Bentley up to the crash or the nativity scene to you know drop a thousand dollars in the in the Salvation Army bucket for the in you know the 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 society bucket. Um, you know, I'm not condemning that. I think that's great and that has its place. It's just that's that's probably not where my higher power is. My higher power is sitting, you know, in a dingy room with a bunch of dingy people who are trying to find a little bit of self-respect and a little bit of dignity and a little bit of a little bit of hope and 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 joy in their dingy lives, you know, and that's me. I'm not knocking it, I'm not saying dingy in a pejorative way. I'm saying it in a beautiful way. That's where that's where I believe I, I belong. You know, it's like in the threadbare uh lukewarm coffee you know but we're sitting there holding hands getting through this life together that's what i mean by live like you were dying you know don't enjoy rock bottom don't love rock bottom but be grateful for rock bottom you know because it's at rock bottom is where we decide where we we decide to unlock the door And when we unlock the door and we've got honesty and open-mindedness and willingness. Those are the three wise men coming through the door. And guess who's coming with them? Your higher power. Wise men, wise women, wise people, wise beings. Your higher power is coming with them, you know. That's what I mean by live like you were dying. Rock bottom is a horrible, horrible place. But thank God I had the chance to be there. Thank God I had the chance because if it weren't for rock bottom, I wouldn't be here on my daughter's 20th birthday today. I have a magnificent life that's a second to none. I get to li- I am in the bonus round as one of the old timers in one of my favorite meetings says. You know, I'm in the bonus round. I get to live like this. I get to be sober. I get to have a serene, loving life. I get to have this conscious contact with the God of my understanding. I get to be the man I wanted to be that day when I looked into those eyes. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, but like a lot of babies' eyes are like navy blue. I mean, my daughter's eyes are like brown, you know, now, like like mine are, but it's like, but when their babies are like navy blue and you look into them, it's like, I want to be so many things in life, but most of all, I want to be a good father. And, the gift of the gift of rock bottom, the gift of sobriety, the gift of my higher power, allowed me to become the man who had the courage to unlock that door and let everybody in. And I got to be I got to be that man. I got to become the father that I always wanted to be. I got to become the partner that I always wanted to be. I got to become the son that I always wanted to be, the member of the community I always wanted to be. There's a light shining on my face right now, and I believe it's my higher power saying, man, you got that chance to live like you were dying. All right. I promise that my future podcast in season three are going to be a little more, uh, a little smoother and a little less disjointed, but... I'm speaking from the heart and just trying to get it. Look, I got to put some content up here and get this going. In season three, we're doing it. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past and wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us. What we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. God, thank you for the last 20 years. Thank you for my sobriety. Thank you for being, for allowing me to be alive, to for allowing me to have the courage to open the door so you could walk through it with the wise men of honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And I could be the best father. I could be here on my daughter's twentieth birthday, sober, thriving, and alive. Amen.